weird. They didn't want to tell anyone yet, because this object was too weird to be believed. It was in the wrong place. No. Weird. Australia. Hey, I'm Stu Buchanan, and you're listening to the New Weird Australia podcast. Yeah, New Weird Australia back around again. It's been a minute since there was a New Weird Australian thing in the world. Yet here we are. COVID-19 seems like the perfect time to be coming back around again. Now, if you haven't heard of New Weird Australia, you don't know what I'm talking about, then uh, New Weird Australia was something that was born a while ago, back in 2009. Seems like a lifetime ago, I tell you. Uh, yeah, back in 2009. And back then I was uh, working for FBI radio. But as I was listening to the station, I started to get the sense that there was a whole lot of music that just wasn't coming through. A lot of stuff that um, I was interested in, um, I wasn't kind of hearing on air. And then I started to look around and sort of have that perspective that actually this is all pretty much hidden. You know, there's a lot of great people making a lot of great, strange, weird, experimental music. And even for uh, a radio station like FBI, which is like an alternative music from Sydney and Australia, even for a station like that, there was still a lot of stuff that just wasn't able to break through. And I thought, well, that's probably the type of radio show that I need to do. And uh, hence, New Weird Australia was born and at the same time also started to release some compilations of New Weird Australian music. Flash forward, I think about five years or so, we did like 26 volumes of compilations. There was a there was a net label that ran alongside called Wooden Wire. Had a whole bunch of stuff on there, all kind of single artist releases. Um, we did a whole bunch of live shows. Uh, around Australia and uh, yeah huge body of work to the point where it was really quite full on and getting to be uh, it's getting pretty run down by the volume of things we're doing and I want to say a quick shout out to a lot of collaborators from back in the day Danny Jumperts, Andrew Tuttle, Innes Tullach, Heath Killen all of whom uh, contributed hugely to uh, to New Weird Australia. So it was kind of put to bed back in uh, 2015 and uh, that's where it has sat for some time. Now this podcast itself I did a radio show called Out From Under um, and so all of these um, which is quite similar to New Weird Australia a lot of that kind of uh, uh, experimental underground Australian music. So all of those out from under episodes are now um, tucked nicely into the new Weird Australia podcast archive, as long as all of the radio shows from the original run on FBI back in the day uh, and a whole bunch of live shows as well. So if this is the first episode of the podcast you're listening to, there is a huge treasure trove uh, just waiting to be uh, dived into. What perfect time. COVID-19, lockdown, there's 110 episodes of a podcast. So it's a great primer for uh, new Weird Australian music over the last 10 years or so. Anyway, that's enough of the past. We're now in 2020. We are in COVID-19 land. And as I say, time for a little bit of a reboot of New Weird Australia. Going to be making some new episodes of the podcast and also working on a brand new compilation, uh, which will be coming out before too long. And to uh, kick us off with this uh, new run of podcasts, I'm having a chat with Amber Fresh, otherwise known as Rabbit Island. I first came across her work back in 2011 uh, from the album Oh God Come Quick. And we actually featured one of those songs on a New Weird Australian compilation, uh, I think the 10th one I think it was, called Vox. 
Uh, and I really adored that album and really fell in love with Amber's work as Rabbit Island. Uh, I was delighted when she came back around again in 2018 with uh, the album Deep in the Big. She's got a new record coming out. It's actually a new record of old songs that she recorded a long time ago called Songs for Kids. I'm going to be having a chat with her now and hearing a couple of the tracks off the album. It's new in Australia and Rabbit Island. Why don't you take your glasses off so we can see you? And then apologise to your neighbours for frightening nah, them. No, 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 no. I'll leave these on. No, I like them. No. Weird. Australia. to the new Weird Australia podcast and we're joined right now by Amber Fresh aka Rabbit Island. How are you doing Amber? Very well thank you. Yeah. Good good. It's all about weird right now here we are in lockdown mode and we're all uh, all in isolation ostensibly having uh, a lot of time in our hands to do uh, lots of creative things. Do you feel like you've got a lot of time in your hands? Yeah I mean while no one around me is um you know, unwell or um, in what feels like a great depression. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of nice in a way to have a break um, from yeah, feeling like I must be doing things or we must be doing things. Yeah, I think like in the first week or two, you know, there was a lot of people sat to myself thinking, "Look at all these great things I can do! All these books I'm going to read! All these films I'm going to watch!" And then after a while, I'm like, "No, actually, I'm just not going to do them." Just going to try and relax. I mean, how often do I get to do that? I made a fake list of things that I wanted to do, but it, in, it included um, getting married and getting pregnant and stuff. It was my 14-day quarantine list. Yeah. Now, we're having a chat because you've got a new record coming out. Well, I guess we might call it a new record, but it's like a new old record called Song for Kids, which is coming out on Bedroom Suck. How literal do we take that title, Song for Kids? Um... Well, I literally made all those songs for um, my first niece when she was two. I was just, um, yeah, in a kitchen at my friend's place in Melbourne um, one day and she had a guitar in her house and a cassette recorder and I wanted to make a present for my niece and so I did that. Um, 
but I guess the reason that um, they're being released again in a new way um, was just from an adult friend wanting to listen more regularly to the album on Spotify because, <laughs> yeah, the, the adults who I know who had listened to it um, from when it was sort of, I guess, a bit more um, privately available, um, yeah, had found the songs um, comforting also. So I would say it's kind of uh, songs for really small kids, like zero to two, and then um, 25 up. <laughs> and when did this sort of uh, occur to you? Because obviously in the last three months or so in Australia, we've been through a pretty rough time, what with um, the bushfires and then floods and then, you know, coronavirus. And it seems like, you know, here we are sitting in lockdown and it's the perfect time to be listening to calm lullabies. It's kind of accidental almost. It is accidental, yeah. Um, Bedroom Suck, um, yeah, asked about a year ago if I wanted to um, put it onto vinyl. Um, Yeah, so (laughs) it just so happens that it's coming in a rough time, I guess, yeah. There's also something comforting about listening to something on tape as well. There's a certain sort of nostalgia to it. That's how I listened to music when I was a kid. I'd listen to music on tape and there's something kind of strangely comforting about that listening to music in that way in that aesthetic yeah i i i was the same yeah we used to listen to tapes in the car um tapes at home make little recordings onto tape at home and that was sort of i guess the first way of listening to music and making music apart from the few times the record player would get um you know, put on. Now, uh, a few of the songs on the record are uh, traditional lullabies, like uh, kids' songs that we know and love. What uh, what what ones are on there? Um, there's just a couple. I, I would have to I'd have to look at my list. Like maybe "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star" and um, Three Blind Mice." Yeah, but the rest, like. Um, there was an, a kid on a BMX that's um, <laughs> it's definitely not a traditional <laughs> traditional song. Yeah, what is that? Maybe like three or four um, lullabies that, you know, just um, put in there for her and then the rest were songs that I just made in the normal way for me of playing and singing at the same time and that's the song. So you mentioned there kind of, you know, sitting in the kitchen, singing these songs and recording them. How much of it was kind of improvised at the time or how much of it consisted of songs you'd already written? Um, it's always all improvised. But same for the other albums that I've done. All of those songs um, were songs where I just, you know, had a feeling and pressed record and then played and sang all the words and the melody and everything and then press stop and afterwards I'll be like oh I think that was a good song but yeah I guess the difference with these is that they're just the voice and guitar um whereas you know like everything on deep in the big then had um many 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 um layers and you know, hundreds of hours spent on creating something bigger than just the original song itself. But yeah, even all of those songs are just um, 
I guess, improvise because that's the only way I've ever made songs rather than like writing down words and going over them. And yeah. Let's take a track now from Songs for Kids. And the one I selected is called In the Forest Far Away. Can you tell us a little bit about this one? Uh, well, actually, my my housemate and another friend just made a very beautiful film film clip for it and they took a bunch of um, kids who they knew and didn't know into a forest and let them just kind of roam about and um, you know float down the float down bits of a river and throw mud and sticks at each other and have a good time (laughs) Um, and yeah I feel like that nice video has um, a sense of the song about it um yeah it's just some of the some of the old stories told very briefly in a slightly different way yeah what what young girl really would be scared of a spider on a tuffet <laughs> you know what i mean in the forest sort of sung lullabies when you were kids is, is that how some of these songs made their way into your psyche um yeah I was I was lucky very lucky to have a nice dad growing up and yeah when my brother and I were really little he used to sometimes sing to us before we went to sleep at night with a guitar um yeah I I don't remember what the content was <laughs> but I remember the feeling yeah but I guess all of those songs just sort of make their way into our lives you know just like water or you know we don't really we don't really notice it at the time. Was that in Perth you're originally from WE? Um, I was born in Kalgoorlie which is like <laughs> yeah kind of in the, almost the desert and then I had a tiny bit of time here in Perth, but then the rest of the time I grew up in a town called Albany, um, whose old name is Kinjarling. And, um, yeah, we grew up sort of at the edge of a national park and the ocean. So it was a lot of time just to um, roam and connect with the granite and the mosses and everything else. Yeah. Now, when I was reading uh, about the record, you talk about uh, the idea that, um, you know, kids obviously kind of uh, move on from lullabies uh, at a certain age and kind of grow into other forms of music. Um, 
when you sort of moved on from those lullabies, what did you move on to? Um, I remember being sort of at, at some point in primary school, um, our next door neighbours out at um, that place where I lived, they'd been growing up in Vanuatu, um, but they were they were really into pop music and they brought over some like, you know, uh, Kylie Minogue and Michael Jackson sort of compilations and I remember that being somewhat of a revelation to me because before then it had been, yeah, the parents' records and whatnot. Um, and, yeah, then as a teenager, um, you know, I guess I got into some, like, light metal music and... <laughs> Yeah, for my for my listening to music from when I was young, I would sort of just listen to one thing quite a lot, um, and that would sort of change from summer to summer. You know, there'd be like one one album or whatever that I would listen to a lot, and then go on to something else rather than being a sort of voracious music consumer. <laughs>
we just heard my own private i think that was probably the first time that i heard your work was was the album that it came from mm. oh god come quick how does um songs for kids sort of sit in the chronology with with that record um i think i made those songs after oh god come quick and before deep in the big mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah yeah oh god come yeah. quick was sort of um yeah quite a long uh quite a lot of the earliest songs that i made and that was back in back in 2011. But you've been performing for quite a few years uh, before that. I mean, I think I, I remember. Yeah. Uh, maybe some some videos that I saw online, sort of 2009 or something of you of you playing in, in Perth. So, sort of Oh God, come quick! I guess was a sort of culmination of sort of many many years of writing, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. 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 Um, but I guess what kind of you know when when I listened to um, to I think particularly to the most recent record, Deep in the Big as well. I think, you know, what, what kind of separates you from a traditional um, songwriter is also the approach to sound design, you know. Yeah. And whether, whether you know, whether you, I guess, choose to call it sound design or, or production or, or whatever, but, you know, the the things that wrap around the songs are just as important as, as the songs themselves. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, is that, do you, do you feel that's kind of on the mark or? Yeah, I mean, when I was making all those songs um, that ended up being Oh God, Come Quick when I was originally, um, I guess, first recording at home, I would just use whatever I, um, you know, felt to use, I guess, around as well as instruments or, you know, bits and pieces of, um, I don't know, just other materials or people calling me on the phone or whatever during songs actually I think someone does call in oh god come quick I mean in um my own private um yeah yeah all I mean that is it is true like if a if a song is good that's one thing but then yeah creating like a piece of music and sound around that is also like a big pleasure I guess um and I felt really lucky both times so those two times I was in a studio with someone um it was a different engineer each time 
um, the first time Jay Brandner and the second time Aiden Sinecha. And both of those guys um, really, I don't want to say let me, but I'll say let me, like just do whatever I wanted to and, um, yeah, just just add things even if it seemed strange or whatever and then, you know, having their skills um, on the programs that were being used and on the sort of technical side of sound, um, yeah, being able to use their skills to make a thing that seemed right to me was such a such a good experience. And same with same with the mastering for Deep in the Big. Like most of my friends who make music, they'll send it away, someone will master it, it will come back and they'll just have like one or two changes or whatever. But I I couldn't I couldn't handle it, you know. <laughs> At first for that it got mastered by someone um in uh the States and then we tried back and forth a few times but it still just to me for some reason wasn't quite right, even though you know, I'm sure it would have been fine. But then finally someone here um, did the mastering with me, like maybe annoyingly or not, whatever, <laughs> in the studio being yeah. like, oh, yeah, this, but can, um, you know, can this be more over here and, you know, like. Yeah. It, it sounds like what you're saying, you know, that the, the, the songs, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't use the words they write themselves, but they seem to the songs just come super quickly. You know, like the almost almost like the kind of act of singing and performing. The the, the songs are kind of birthed in quite a short period of time, but then the actual kind of recording and production takes is is almost the opposite approach. Insofar as it's 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 a much more um, considered and kind of longer approach. Is that is that kind of fair assessment? Do you think? Yeah, I yeah. mean, I don't even for the recording like. I didn't like, I didn't want to and no one ever made me <laughs> sing the same, like play the song over and over or whatever, you know, at one moment it would just be right to do the recording of one track or whatever but then all the, yeah, all the bits and pieces that go on top and how they go on top and how the sounds um, relate to each other, yes, it's like a long and mainly enjoyable hard work process. Mainly enjoyable. <laughs> it also yeah, like yeah. drives you crazy or something, but it's also like a different kind of magical process than that um, just playing the song magical process. But, yeah, yeah, with Songs for Kids it was just like the songs and that's all, which is also fine. <laughs> press, press record and away you go.
That's The Gold Hall Beckons from Deep in the Big Rabbit Island. Tell us a little bit about that track. The the bass of that song is actually recorded um, in maybe the Northcote Bowling Bowling Club. Right. I was there one day with some friends and they had a piano. The um, bowling club has a piano in there and I just made a song and recorded it on my phone and then um, added to it at the studio. Like that was in the week that we were doing the main first recording mm. in Melbourne. That I had and so did, some excursion to the bowling club. <laughs> <laughs> and is it in, and is it that vocal take that still exists on the track? Yeah, yeah. See, I think that's fast because it's fascinating. Because again, that's that's almost the same as song for kids, right? Where you just sit down, press record, away you go. Yeah. And then that that becomes the kind of nexus or the kernel of the song. Yeah. And you don't you don't mess with that. You just leave it as it is, and and then build a world around it. Yeah. Well, I uh, like that. You know, it's like I'm not a I'm not a bird or whatever. But you don't like a bird will just sing a lovely song. You don't have to get them to like redo it fifty times. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want another take of that, please. Um, and uh, I mean, you you were talking there before we before we heard uh, the track a little bit about the recording process, and that you don't necessarily kind of you know sing a song twice and so on. Like how how exploratory or improvised is that process, or do you have fairly kind of fixed ideas going into the recording about how you, what sort of sound you're looking for for each song? Um. Yeah, I guess like in that studio experience as well, it was more about like things feeling right and just doing what seemed right at the time. And I guess, yeah, also things that got sort of worked over more were like um, getting all the microphones set up around the piano so that what was captured felt right to me as well as being okay for the engineer yeah the piano seems really key to that record more so than oh god come quick which is which seems seems more sort of guitar focused but the piano seems really central to this one yeah there was there wasn't even a piano in the studio like i used my keyboard for oh god come quick which has a really good piano sound but yeah for for deep in the big um aid and the sound engineer picked a studio that had a good piano and also it ended up having the same organ that was in my grandparents' house, you know, when I was really little, where you put push in and out the um, little knobs and all of that and have to pedal the, the feet. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just like it, it did feel being involved in something special that was happening rather than um I don't know doing brick paving or something not that brick paving's not special (laughs) but you know we just gotta like get it done yeah 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 absolutely yeah because of creating the space to allow it to happen for sure um I regret saying that about brick paving (laughs) I did some a few weeks ago and I loved it (laughs) um so What's next then? Because you know we're we're in lockdown period. You've just released uh, an, a new album of old songs, deep in the big. I mean, you think you recorded that a few years ago now. So where's your head at in terms of you know writing and recording for for the future? Um, I mean, I'd like that to happen. I'd also <laughs> I'd also like to get um, 
barreled surfing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think at the moment I'm just trying to get a piano into the house where I live because right. it has a lot of steps um, and I don't have a piano yet. <laughs> but, you know, for example, I feel like if that happened, I'd probably make some songs. Um, and if it doesn't happen and I don't make songs for a while, then that's also fine. Other people will make cool songs. <laughs> you wouldn't obviously be playing live or touring for for the album, not not for the foreseeable future anyway. Do you have, you know, there's a lot of people jumping online and sort of doing live shows and stuff like that. Is that is that something that feels like it's in your world or you prefer it just to keep it a bit more private? Um, I mean, I've always liked sometimes on Instagram putting up bits and pieces of things that I'm just playing in my room. But, yeah, the online show thing... Um, doesn't super appeal to me like I might do one or two um but also I wasn't really I wasn't really doing touring just to like not be putting out too much carbon so it's fine just to like be at home I would like to I've got lots of recordings of just um yeah like making music um making music rather than songs that I'd like to sort of work on and put together a bit, but um, yeah, whether that happens or not is also fine to me. <laughs> Just need someone to tell you that they want to listen to it on Spotify, and then uh, it'll get it'll get released. Yeah, okay. Someone um, said to me the other day, "Oh, when are you going to write new songs, Amber?" And I sort of felt felt bullied into making a song, so I made a song and sent it to him. <laughs> I like that custom custom made service. Amber, thanks very much for chatting to us, um, and uh, can't wait to hold the record in our hands when it when it comes out. Thanks, Amber. Thanks. There'll be no work done today in Sydney. A million of us are on the move. Swarming into the streets like bees in the sun. No. Weird. Australia.